Nah, I mean podcast. We them boys with the question mark for the logo, but ain't no question what it is, except there's a problem today because it's not them boys. It's actually me and Rhea Parks, the author, the Syracuse native, the church girl on a mission. Kilo is not here today. I hate to say it, but I feel like we're a little bit stronger today in his absence. Why? Because we about to dig deep into something that I think is valuable and important for everyone. But first, before I do that, let me introduce our guest today, Rhea Parks. Rhea, thank you for joining the podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, I had to have you. I had to have you because you've been very active. I've been watching you move. I've been watching you just continue to do big things. Our podcast is a platform for people just like you. Oh, wow. Yes. That pause. That's all right. You can be you can be flattered. You can be flattered. That's okay. But you're a creator. Yep. Absolutely. And I don't I'm sorry. I don't mean to give you any labels. How would you describe yourself? Oh gosh. An open book. Um God's child, but definitely an open book. I try and be as open as and trick as open and transparent as humanly possible because I'm a firm believer that people can learn from other people. Fair enough. So. And so one of the ways that you're teaching people through through your experiences is you just finished a book. Yes. A Church Girl's Guide to Overcoming Compulsive Spending? Impulsive spending. Impul- Impulsive is different from compulsive. Correct. Okay. I don't know the difference because, you know, blame Syracuse City School District. <laughs> So, A Church Girl's Guide to Overcoming Impulsive Spending. Yep, you got it. So, I will say, I read, um, I skimmed through about 100 pages of the early uh, edition. Okay. I really liked it. I was really moved by it. Really impressed by it. And one of the things that stands out to me in the book, congratulations, first of all, for finishing it. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But one of the things that really came to my mind as soon as I finished like all of the sections that I read was how transparent you were in the book. And I feel like that was a, a really bold move. You shared a lot of intimate things. I mean, sometimes in the black community, it's like what happens in our house stays in our house. Absolutely. But you didn't really take that approach with the book. Why? It wouldn't be my authentic self. I felt as though I could write the book and put what I thought people wanted to hear. But the reality is with money, we experience so much more than that. So my thought process was, let me be as real and raw as humanly possible because I know I'm not the only person that's going through it. True. Okay. So the book itself, I I considered it to be very practical, but also a little bit preachy. And I like both parts of it. I like the practical and I like the preachy. But can you explain the practical side a little bit more? So what is the key for someone who's, who's trying to get their financial life in order? So... I've grown up in the church and we always hear, or at least I always heard, you know, give it to God, pray about it, God will give you an answer. And while all that is great, I'm also a practical mind. So I am the type of person that needs practical steps or steps one through three on how to do something. So I wanted to make it as practical as humanly possible that literally anybody who picks up the book, they will walk away with an understanding of, okay, I know I need to do step one, step two, step three, and step four to ultimately get me to a better financial state. That's good. So the, so the reader of this book is going to leave with a game plan. 
Absolutely. Oh, that's good. Um, so again, I, I really thought the book was excellent. As I was reading it and you know texting you and me- sending you messages, I was telling you the whole time, like I think this book is great. Yep. And I was really excited that you were coming on the podcast. Um, but I, I think the book itself, and I'm encouraging everyone to buy it, and I'm encouraging everyone to, to read it, even if you feel like your financial house is sound, read the book anyway, because you can learn some tips and some tricks that can take you even a little bit further. Um, or you'll just get a good read that you'll enjoy. But the book itself, it comes from a standpoint of someone who uh, kind of has money but doesn't know how to manage it well. And I guess my question to you is some of the readers of the book and some of the listeners on our podcast, they don't have no money. They dead broke, Rhea. And so what would you say to somebody out there who's listening right now who's dead broke but can't get a diamond and nickel to rub together? Like what would be your advice to them? And I know this is going to sound so preachy and I try not to be. Um, but honestly, pray and ask God to direct your path. I remember being a family of four, literally being on an income of $29,000. So I know what it's like to not have or to have bills and your bills exceed what you're bringing in. But in that season, if nothing else, I learned how to be super tight with my wallet and I learned how to be strategic about where I spent my money. We've been a family, again, that has received food stamps, that has been on public health insurance. So I absolutely get it. Um, And I know for us, it was truly God's divine intervention um, that allowed us to walk through some of the doors that we were able to walk through as far as job opportunities. Um, So just showing yourself to be faithful um, and believing that even in the season where you don't have two pennies to rub together, that it has purpose and that at the end of it, you'll get through it. And again, I don't want to sound preachy because I feel as though people hear that all the time, pray about it. But my personal experience, truly, that's what got us through. Hmm, That's good. That's strong. I'm curious. You've been through this struggle. You you talked about it just now of having to just go through it, right? Yep. Um, You're on the other side of that struggle now through that storm? Yes. Thank God. Okay. Absolutely. And now you've finished this book, your first book. Yes. How do you feel right now? I feel a relief. I feel as though there has been a weight lifted off of my shoulders, but I also feel that God has more and that this is just the beginning. Um, so truly just being, being mindful about listening for his instructions and knowing that this is just a season while it's, it's nice to bask in, in what I have right now and the fact that the book is finished, but I'm very aware to not be complacent with being in this spot because I know God has more. You know what? And, and God does have more. I, I believe that with you. I believe that along with you. But we still in this right now. I mean, it's literally right. this is the beginning of it, right? Absolutely. Like So right now, tell people where they can go in order to get the book. So everybody can go and purchase at nyacl.com, which is short for Not Your Average Church Lady. Not Your Average Church Lady. NYACL.com. Yep. Yes. And then they can get their book. They can order five of them if they want. Yep. You don't just, there's no limit, right? Nope. You you don't just have to order one. Correct. So if you want to start a book club, 
with you and your girlfriends, you and your boys, you can you can do it. Yes. Here's my question. Because I, I just said it. I said you can start a book club with you and your boys. But you call it a church girl's guide? Yes. Well, what about the guys who want to read the book? Is this, this is kind of sexist. And this is kind of, this is not the society that we live in today where you, it's exclusive. You're excluding the guys, aren't you? So one would think that with the book title, however, again, because the steps are so universal and so practical, literally anybody can pick the book up and read it. It's not just for women. The reality is typically it's women that have the shopping um, habit or have the shopping issue. So that's why I added or put a church girl's guide. You never met Kilo, have you? No. You have never met Kilo. Kilo needs this book. Kilo has a habit. Kilo will, y'all, Kilo will text me when I'm out of town and say, oh, you in New York City? Go buy me a hat. I need an orange Knicks hat. What? How, how am I being sucked into? Is that a problem that you found? That people with a shopping habit will suck their friends and their family into their mess with them? So, yeah. So, I've seen two ends of the spectrum. So, I've seen the shopper that will include their family pull in their friends and then I've also seen the impulsive shopper on the other end of the spectrum that's so ashamed and embarrassed at their spending habits that literally they do it in secret and nobody knows. Uh, which is worst? I would have to say the, the shopper that isolates and does it in secret because there's really nobody to kind of hold you accountable or at least call you on your stuff and say, should you be spending that or why are you spending that um, in comparison to the other person at the other end of the spectrum that has that accountability per se from somebody else because other people are aware of how they're spending. That's good. I, 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 can, I can see that being the case totally. So let me just say this. I've told you this before also, but I'll share it with the listeners. I'll share it with the whole internet, the whole iTunes, Apple podcast community, everybody. Um, I really did feel like I was, as, as I read your book, I felt like I was at the beginning of a huge wave, like that I was on board right at the beginning of, of something really big happening. And it was because of your writing style. It was because of um, just how easy it was to read. And that's one thing I would say, and you can, you can kind of share how you feel about this, but I think that there are a lot of people who don't read. And I feel like even if you aren't a reader, you can start here. You can start with this book because it, it's, it's such a good story. It, it flows so well. Um, that even if you're not a big reader, here's a time to kind of diversify and pick up this form of entertainment, this form of, of, of self-advancement. What do you say to that? I absolutely agree. And I was intentional about that um, because I've gotten some books and just in reading them, I walked away thinking, what did I just read just because it was so intricate and even the word choice I had to pull out a dictionary, which that for me just breaks up the reading and breaks up the flow. And I personally don't like that kind of stuff. So again, I was just very intentional. I'm making it as simple and easy for anyone to kind of pick up and read. I love it. I, I would say again, I don't, I actually, you might disagree, Rhea. Okay. But I don't care if y'all read the book or not. I just want y'all to buy them. I want you to buy a couple of them. Like three, because Christmas is coming up. People's birthdays is coming up. People is having babies and kids and they need gifts, housewarming gifts. There's a number of reasons why you can give Kwanzaa, um, Hanukkah. I don't care what you do with the book. All right. You can like 
I don't care, but buy the book. All right, tell them again where to get it from. NYACL.com. Or if you care to, if you like to type, you can literally type in notyouraveragechurchlady.com and the website will come up. That's good stuff. So I am, I am a self-confessed financial guru. Okay. That's what I am. I identify as a financial guru. All right. Don't ask my wife. I don't look. This is my self identification. Can't nobody else tell you what I self identify as. Do you understand? Yep. So as a financial guru, I understand that there are different type of money personalities. And so we have people who everybody engages with money in some way, shape or form. But we have different personalities in the way that we engage with money, the way we handle money, the way we treat money. And how we use our money. And so there has been discussed these seven different money personalities. And uh, listeners, I'd like to introduce them to you, maybe for the first time. I'm going to introduce these seven personalities. And then we're going to ask Rhea to maybe share with us if she knows of a, another personality that she'd like to add to the list. So the first is the hoarder. Um, the hoarder is someone who just keeps their money and doesn't spend it. Then there's the spender, the total other end of the of the spectrum of the hoarder. There's the avoider, people who just get stressed out by bills and money and all that, so they just don't even deal with it at all. There's the hater. Money is evil and dangerous, and therefore, that, that seems a little, Rhea's making a face, guys. She doesn't know if haters, do you disagree that there are actually money haters? Absolutely. You don't believe that there are money haters? No, I do believe there are money haters. But So why were you making that face? Because as I'm listening to you share the uh the different types i'm literally thinking i have a little of each of those that's good all right so let me tell you some more maybe there might be one that you don't identify with there's the manipulator um who uses money in order to buy influence and and uh like strategize so there's the manipulator there's the show off uh money gives me status and so they they use their money to to uh try to impress other people and then the seventh one um, that us financial gurus know about is the giver. Um, someone who uses money in order to show love. It's their love language and they're all about giving gifts. So there we go. I'll just run through them again. Hoarder, spender, avoider, hater, manipulator, show off, and giver. And so now I'm going to just bounce it back to you, Rhea. Is there one that's missing? Is there one that you think, well, there's also people who do like this? Honestly, I don't think so. Uh, the list that you just read off truly captures a multitude of types of spenders. As a therapist, though, my therapist hat is on and I'm thinking, okay, so what's the root to why is someone being given so much with their money or why does stress create or why does money create so much stress for one person or why is someone else using it? as a way of influence. So I always like to, or my brain at least always goes to the, well, why are they like this? Or what contributed, to, what contributed to them being like this with money? Okay, that's, that's, that's deep. You got deep with it. Like where did that money personality come from? All right, and you had your therapist hat on. Yes. All right, I might have to get some free therapy right now. Not that I need it, but if it's available for free, I like free. It's available. All right. Um, I feel like I'll, I'll disclose a little then. I feel like personally, the way I move with money is I've noticed that like money comes and goes. So my number one money principle is money comes and goes. 
And so if I spend it or if I run through it, it's only a matter of time before I got it right back again. And that's been my story. Like it always come back and sometimes it come back real strong and we just back to doing what we do. And so with that theory, with, with, with that philosophy of money comes and goes, even if you run through it, it's going to come back. I think that kind of governs a lot of the things that I do and, and how I live my life. Um, I think that as a result, I'm probably less of a saver than is healthy. But when you when your when your philosophy is it's just gonna come back, why why save? So you should save. Um, the Bible says we're supposed to leave an inheritance to our children's children, which in order to do that, you have to save. Um, but I also get the point of money comes and goes because it's called currency and currency is supposed to flow in both directions. We're supposed to give as well as receive, but I'm a firm believer that both have to be done with balance. We can't be way, way far left where all we do is spin, 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 but then we can't be at the other end of the spectrum where we're holding so tight. Um, I always use the analogy of like a closed fist. If your hand is closed so tightly on your money, nothing can get in. If you're so afraid that anything's going to get out on the same token, nothing can get in. But if you have your hand always open and money's constantly flowing out of it, nothing can stay in either. Mm. So you got to have some balance. Absolutely. That's good. Where was you for the last 20 years when I didn't have any balance? So let me ask you. Tips and, and important insights like the ones you're giving me right now. The book is full of these. Absolutely. Um, one off the top of my head um, would be definitely budget. And by budget, I mean truly look and see where your money, where you're spending it. I know when I did this, I literally stumbled upon the fact that I was spending 90 to $120 a month on coffee just going to Dunkin Donuts every day for a small coffee, I realized just how much money I was spending. Then my brain went to, well, with that 90 bucks, what else could I be doing? That was half of my car insurance. That was half of my cell phone bill. Um, so when I noticed where I was spending, where this extra 90 bucks was going, it was really easy for me to reevaluate and put that money elsewhere. That's good. Just financial awareness. Absolutely. That's good stuff. Absolutely. That's good stuff. So let me ask you, though. So you wrote a whole book on overcoming impulsive spending. Yes. So are you like, are you locked to like premeditated spending now? Like, can you not go to the grocery store and buy a Snickers bar? What, what does this look like? What does your life look like with no impulsive spending? So in here, the moment of transparency, although I wrote the book, it is I'm not going to say it's a daily struggle, but it's still something that I have to be very intentional about because I will find when things are haywire or if I'm noticing that I'm unhappy with whatever the case may be, I will find myself online shopping or, oh, I need this. Or if something happens to scroll on my newsfeed, because with social media now, you get all those sponsored ads and those sponsored ads are based according on what you already like. So typically the stuff that's coming up in those sponsored ads are things that you like and things that are already on your radar. So I know So I know for me, if I have a bad day at work or a really stressful day, heck, moment of transparency, if I have a really difficult morning with my four sons, 
I will find that trickling into the evening while I'm on my phone. Like, oh, let me see what this website has. And again, it's something I have to be very intentional about um, because I'm a firm believer credit cards are the devil. Mm. And with me, once I start charging, it's very easy for me to keep swiping without hesitation. And then I can turn around and look and see, oh my God, what did you buy? Your credit card bill, you spent a thousand dollars. And literally it's on nothing. So just being very intentional about, okay, where am I in this moment? What are other things that are going on that are triggering me or causing me to want to swipe? Because the reality is I'm not really buying because I need. I'm buying because it's making me feel good, because I feel bad or because there's other things going on in my life. Right, like spending money as a coping mechanism. Yes. So instead of dealing with whatever the real issue is, you're just treating yourself to... Right. Because I think I deserve it because my thought process is... Well, you had a tough morning with your kids, Rhea. You deserve this shirt or you should be able to buy. Because on the flip side, I work and I'm a firm believer. I should be able to enjoy the fruits of my labor. But it's all about it's all about balance. I've heard that before, too. Like that sometimes we tell ourselves I deserve this, meaning some material thing. When in reality, it could be you deserve saving or you deserve um, to properly manage your money. You could also deserve to resist buying that thing. Right. It's interesting. It's very interesting. Um, so what do you say to someone like me who, and I'm sorry, look, if y'all was here, y'all could ask the questions and y'all can get the free therapy. But what y'all got to do is buy the book. I'm not going to tell you 20,000 times. Buy the book and get your therapy out of the book. I'm the one here in the room with Rhea. So I get to ask my questions and get my, all right, back to, because I had to set them straight. Because okay. they want to know why he keep trying to use it. Cause, cause, it's my podcast. So, what do you say, Rhea, to someone like me? You have four yes. boys. Yep. So I have two girls, one on the way. Okay. I got one be here in probably about five weeks. Oh, wow. So I'm going to have three girls. But I, sp I spend a lot on my girls. I like, I, I don't, I might use a little bit of restraint when it comes to me. But when it comes to them, if I think they like it, if I think they want it, if I could get it for them, I'm probably not going to use as much restraint. My restraint is weaker when it comes to them. Am I wrong for that? I don't think you're wrong. Um, I believe most parents tend to, to err on that side where you are. Um, but I will ask you, what are you demonstrating to your girls with money? Because they're going to learn something about money. They're going to figure out, okay, this is how I should spend money. This is how I shouldn't. And typically they get those lessons at home. And I know my experience... We really didn't talk about money. I just kind of gathered or, or obtained my own perception of money based on what I seen my parents do. So on the one side, my dad was very tight with money, knew how to save, always saved. However, I didn't learn that until I was in college. And by that point, because I grew up in a, a two-family household, my dad um, lived had his own place and I stayed with my mom, where my mom was on the other side of the spectrum, where she worked a lot, she paid bills, but because she was constantly working overtime, my perception was, well, there's always going to be money around because she just goes to work and she's always at work, so there's always money. So for me, the concept of saving, it wasn't something that was instilled in me at a young age. So I think that contributed to some of the money habits that I have now. So I always tell parents, what are the money habits that you're showing your kids? That's heavy. I don't even have an immediate answer to that question. 
But I feel like it's the type of question I should be asking myself. Mm-hmm. That's heavy. So what's so is the next book gonna be a parenting book? We ready? No. <laughs> we ready? You you raising four boys with your husband, not by yourself. Correct. But you raising four boys, you and your husband. What's a parenting book is next? I think you should do it. So you again, full transparency. He is probably the better parent out of the both of us. Wow. I think that's generally the case. I think generally the husbands and the and the dads are the better parents. I think that's just a general truth. Oh, that doesn't make me feel bad. Nationwide. Okay. Yeah. I'll take it. No, that's the case. If you disagree, get your own podcast. Look, we doing it out here. Yes, the dads is doing it. All right, so this is good. But let's go back because we, we getting we getting off subject. Okay. All right. We're talking about uh, impulsive spending. Yes. Um, in particular, um, I feel like there's been times where I was, I mean, I was heavy impulsive spender when money was new to me. So when I was younger and I never had $2,000 or $4,000 all at one time, it was like gung ho. Like we're going to get everything we want and, and just have a whole lot of bags and trash afterwards and no more cash. Um, is there... Is that normal? That's normal? Like people with new money go crazy? I'm not going to say it's normal. My thought around that is, again, what was modeled growing up for the people that that when they get money, they spend it very quickly. What were the, the money habits that they saw growing up? Solid. That's solid. So here's another question then. And this is good. We're going to give a treat. To every listener who hung out with us now, we almost at, what, 22, 23 minutes. So if you've hung out with us and listened to this engaging, intelligent podcast, this this wonderful author, we're going to give you a treat right now. We're going to reward them, okay? Okay. Um, And you're going to generate the reward. Okay. So I am getting ready to buy something. I'm about to use a card. I'm about to use cash, whatever the case may be. What would you recommend that I ask myself before I make this purchase that is going to empower me to not be an impulsive spender? How big is the purchase? Let's say it is. Let's say if I were to make this purchase, I would have no more disposable income for the rest of the month. And it's not even yet the middle of the month. Because that's a tough question. How big is the purchase? I, you know, right. you have to put it into perspective of how much money you have. So yep. the, per- the purchase is so big that I'm going to be broke for the rest of the month if I make this purchase. So I, my advice would be not to buy it. Of course. But what should I ask myself? What question should the listener, I want you to give them a tool to use okay. before spending to help them gauge whether this is something they should or shouldn't buy. And now usually, and usually, all we usually think about is do I want it? How much do I want it? Is this car going to get declined or is it going to go through? Them is the type of questions that a lot of people is asking themselves. Absolutely. So I would ask myself, Why is this item so important that I'm willing to spend all my disposable income before the end of the month? I love it. 
See, you're always trying to get back to the source of it. And that's deep. Get back to the root of it. What is causing this? Why am I doing this? Like, just the power of why. Right. And so, but, but what I love about that, though, is that you actually allow me to make the purchase. If I can answer the question, like, let's just say I was going to be purchasing something like a website and something to sell on that website. I could be saying to myself, well, this is important for me to spend all my disposable income because I'm going to use this to get some more. So there is some room for me to actually make the purchase if it's a good purchase to make. Correct. I wasn't expecting that. My mind is blown right now. So you're actually advocating for intelligent spending, not just restrictive spending. Correct. Absolutely. Because again, I'm a firm believer. We work and we don't only work just to pay bills and to save. There has to be room in between to enjoy, again, the fruits of our labor. All right. I'm loving it. Like, I'm I'm, I'm be honest with you. I'm, I'm happy right now that... Listeners to Namin podcast got to have got to hear this discussion and got to have these thoughts and these ideas like shared with them for them to take and, and ponder on their own. And it doesn't even stop there because, again, we are pushing your book hard. We're going to share it on our Facebook page, the link for how you can buy it. So even if you can't remember the very easy to remember website, nyacl.com, if you can't, then just go to the Nami Podcast Facebook page. We'll have a link up there for you to go to and buy the book. But what I like, it's empowering. It's, it's potentially transformative. I'm not promising that I'm going to do any of this stuff for you. I'm, I'm, come on now, let's keep it real. I'm not promising you that I'm not going to spend my money. Okay? Okay. And mostly my wife's money. But the money. I'm, the money. Let's just call it the money. But I will read the book. Okay. I'm definitely going to read the book. I'm definitely going to at least know what I'm doing wrong. Fair enough. Right? And that's the beautiful thing about the book. It's not a all or nothing. You don't have to read it and walk away and say, okay, I'm going to do everything that was in there because everybody's financial situation is different. But I truly believe that, that everybody that reads it will be able to take away something meaningful and something helpful that will propel them in the direction they want to go to financially. Mm, that's solid. That's what we need. All right. So that's I. I can't. I don't. I can't follow that up. I can't follow that up with anything. Listen, is there on on your website? Is there a contact me page there? There is. If you scroll, it's all the way at the bottom. There's literally it's a hyperlink. It says contact me. If you click on that, you'll get routed to. You know, Ooh, fill out. Look at you, hyperlinks and routeds and all of that. We is a ghetto podcast. We don't know hyperlinks and routeds through the what? Set them down. We not that type of podcast. This is not NPR. We is a hood podcast. So, I, I, again, to those who are listening, definitely buy the book. If you have an organization, if you have a. a a women's group, a ministry or anything, and you want to reach out to Rhea and invite her to come in and speak, and y'all got some money to pay her fee, then reach out um, because this is powerful stuff. This is the type of stuff that we really need. I'm going to go ahead and say it as a community um, to help us evolve and grow. I mean, I'm all about like getting the shackles off of us. And one of the shackles that we have is poverty. And some of our poverty is self... Oh, y'all, why y'all got me on this? Why you got me on my pulpit, Rhea? <laughs> Why you got me preaching to the people? 
Listen, y'all buy the book and stop playing. I'm done. Rhea, do you have any final words for him? Um, so my final words are, remember what the Bible says, that you are the lender and not the borrower. You are above and not beneath. You are the head and not the tail. So take that with you and know that anything is possible and you can be ahead as far as the money game.